Wav, true wav, is why we're gathered here today. <laughs> That's good. What a start to the show. Yeah. We are back in the saddle again, as they say. Uh, it's been a long time. It has been a hot minute. That uh, <laughs> A hot four months. Hot four months. <laughs> Although it's a Manitoba, Manitoba winter, so it's, so awfully it's cold a cold, cold four months is what it yeah. has been. Yeah. It's a cold oh, minute. It's I been mean, a cold minute. There's been things that have happened, though. I mean, we almost died. We COVID. All- well, okay. Fortunately, we didn't have it. That. I lay in bed and ate crackers, so yeah. it wasn't too bad. One of us may or may not have taken the quote-unquote horse, horse medicine. Horse medicine. Horse. 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 Well, if you call it horse medicine, we might get canceled. Oh, no, That's wait. why I said quote-unquote. Oh, quote-unquote. I wouldn't call it that. Um, but it may or may well, not have been literal horse medicine. So, yeah, we we almost got died, as one of my coworkers would say. Yeah. Um, and then we were sick otherwise on and off yeah. multiple times each. And then one of us went out and got engaged. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was me. Yeah. Um, which is it exciting. The, it was the best looking one of us to be fair. So I mean, it kind still of is. I mean, I mean, thank you. Still, still is. Yeah. You didn't stop being the best looking one of us. As soon as you got engaged, you are idiots now. <laughs> No, and she's um, still with you though, so that's yeah, good. She, she's sticking around. No, it's it's good. Um, so yeah, there's a few things that happened in the over the last little while. I would say this: the uh, it's really not a great excuse for four months layoff. Though. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Uh, there, there's no way we can say honestly that at any point in the f- last four months we could have not <laughs> recorded an episode. But I mean, a, I mean. I had a few open days where we probably could have recorded. I had like at least you half. had about four months. At least you were half. open there. Yeah. <laughs> well, they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. So I don't know. I was pretty nervous coming into this thing. I don't know if I uh, um, would say that that it grew fonder. I was. Oh no! Distance makes the heart oh, no. grow fonder. I'm, I'm messing that quote right up. No, it's not for us though. It's it's going to make it fonder for the people listening. Oh, yeah, they missed us. Yeah, maybe. Well, I hope so. <laughs> All six of you. Thanks, guys. I, I, I don't know if they did miss us, but yeah, maybe like, we can hope. You know what? Finally, those guys stopped making episodes. You know what? That is a good uh, thing. Silence from those guys. Yeah. If that's your Too thoughts, bad. Then we have more where that came from. Then have we got a show for you. Yeah, because we've got awkward silence all up in this joint. <laughs> I don't think we've ever started with this much just random talk, but I guess it has been four months, so it's it's probably well. Let's do it, it's enough, uh, just regular talk for to make up for the episodes that we should have recorded. Yeah, exactly. And there's things that we want to touch on. You know, we had COVID. The Lord blessed us with uh, allowing us to get through that, which is uh, yeah, not even having it too was, severe. Was either, tremendous. So that's good. Uh, yep. We've had. Um, grown closer with the church um so and and obviously i got engaged and and there's a lot of family time and all that kind of stuff in there so i mean you know as much as we were gone away from this and there's missing this a little bit um and as excited we are to be back you know maybe the hiatus was a good thing i guess we'll see how how it goes but i mean we'll try to be less lazy and neglectful in the future but definitely yeah yeah, yeah there, there's there's a 
work in progress. Christmas was this good. Man, but <clears throat> Christmas was good for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. We're a month after that already. We got us like, like a two month, months. Yeah, a month and a half. <laughs> in fact, we're recording this on the first Valentine's Day that Brayden has with Carrie, and he's doing this instead of hanging out with his fiance. So. I didn't say it was a perfect fiance. <laughs> <laughs> You made a choice. She's, she's going to hear this and be like, um, you know I told you you could, right? And I'll be like, yep. I mean, to be fair, you I did, did go take for, her lunch. for lunch. Yeah. yeah. I, and spent a total of like 50 minutes with her. So that was like. I mean, that's more than I've ever done to anyone <clears throat> on Valentine's Day. So You're spending a lot of time with us today. It seems awful We did fishy. go for supper. That's true. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of Valentine's Day 15 years ago today. Started my first job that I currently still have. Oh, I'm sorry, so, buddy. Yeah. Lifer. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> 15 years. Yikes. I and guess you I was started laid off. Hi- you started in high school. I started in high school. This was part-time. And I got laid off for a year. Time flies. Yeah. When you're having fun. Which or you're working would. overtime. But yeah. it is it is kind of funny that we're recording on Valentine's Day and the episode is about God's, God's little love. That of God. actually was not planned. Not planned no. even a little bit because this was supposed to be done in October. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we intentionally took a four month hiatus so we could record on Valentine's Day. You'd think we'd be able to fit other episodes in if that's the way we're gonna do it. <laughs> oh, but in all seriousness, we should uh, we should get underway and yep. and sure as we said um, today we're talking about the. We're back into the Attribute of God series, and we're talking about love. God's love, to be specific. and Not according to the title of my notes that I forgot to change. What is the title of your notes? We're still on immutability. I mean, his love is immutable. It's true. It's true. Unchanging. Yeah. It is unchanging. And I think we're on a different episode number, too. Anyways, go ahead. What episode number are we on? I should probably say that out loud. I don't know. Uh, 24? We are... In the 20s in our episodes. Yep, that we are. Very yeah. cool. Feel good about that. That's the safe way to play it. But let me start with, with a bit of scripture here. First John 4, 7-10 through 10 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Amen. Mm-hmm. In the same way that, uh, we, as we've often said, that it is our nature as man to sin, is, is our nature before, before God opens our eyes uh, to the truth of the gospel, our nature is simply to sin and to hate God. And in the same way, his nature is to love. His nature is to be good, is um, to be just, um, wrathful against sin. Uh, like we discussed, these are not things that he has to uh, intentionally like attain or, or exert right. any sort of effort to to um, continue. That's just who he is. Yeah, it's one of his attributes. It's just who he is without trying, right? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> like all of the other attributes, this is inter- interconnected. It's not something that can be removed from his other attributes and as such like we said already his his love is immutable and it's holy above all and 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 it's just and it's righteous and it's eternal just just as god is and 
this is one that we have to take, you know, when it comes to studying the love of God, we have to take great care of because it's incredibly easy to come into, um, into it with biases and faulty ideas that are based on, based on and rooted in the way that the world or secular culture has romanticized what love is, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's sort of given, there's even sometimes church culture. Yeah, it's true. And well, well, really they're, they're basing it more on that. The churches that do that are basing it more on that world labor. Can I, can I just touch on that part quick? Oh, sure. Um, because I, you know, I've, uh, as you guys know, I, before meeting Carrie, I'd never been in a, uh, a relationship before and and uh, praise the lord that i've you know one for one so um well you went on some dates but yeah those don't count yeah <laughs> um but w- it is so easy to fall into that trap of the romanticized love it mm-hmm. is everywhere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it is so and that's something where um as we're going through marriage counseling now and there's something that was said in the last um the last chapter of the book that we're going through mm-hmm. and said it's it's so much easier to express your love for your spouse or for your for your fiance than it is to express your love for god mm-hmm. is oftentimes what new couples find or newly engaged couples find and and that that i think is in part um due to our pride and and our own selfish desires but i think mm-hmm. this world um idolizes lust it yeah. idolizes false love and, and lust is is to take selfishly um you know take selfishly for yourself mm-hmm. to take love and, and to twist it and to turn it into um self-promotion or or mm-hmm. self-indulgence when love is a complete opposite as it gives and gives at a great cost yeah i mean it's it's been turned into this mystical magical meaning right that the mm-hmm. world gives it and when we study it, we should we should actually we should be very careful to glean from Scripture what the biblical concept truly is. Um, obviously, God, God's love is not separable from His other attributes, and if we don't take care, we can end up creating an idol by downplaying some of God's other attributes or, or removing them altogether. We see this in much in many churches today, mm-hmm. um, where where people claim my God is a God of love. Um, and we have to be very careful not to make a God in our own image or anything. That's idolatry, right? And um, oftentimes when we think of idolatry, we think of like, oh, you know, statues and wooden figures and whatever, like the mm-hmm. Old Testament has. Um, so we, we think that we're clear and we're not, you know, we're in the clear. We're not doing uh, committing idolatry. But um, anytime we exchange the glory of the true God for a lesser concept of our making, you know, whether that's physical or in our mind that's you know we're engaging in idolatry as i have a quote from rc sproul where he says a god who is stripped of his attributes of justice holiness sovereignty and the rest is just as much an idol as something that is made out of wood or stone mm-hmm. because you're taking away from who god truly is yeah and you're making um, him in your image instead yeah exactly i i now i cannot remember who it was that i heard this from but it was along the lines of we so often take and we separate each attribute. We, we, although we say, yeah, God is, um, God is holy, or mm-hmm. God is sovereign, God is love, God is um, immutable, all these things. But the one thing I think we we need to remember is, His holiness is is 
like his love is not separate from his holiness nope. and his sovereignty is not separate from his holiness his holiness means his love is holy it is a mm-hmm. set apart love it is a love that is unlike any other yep. his mm-hmm. immutability is holy his mm-hmm. you know he is so separate and i think every attribute we have to be reminded of that each attribute is a holy attribute and, and not just an individual or a set apart thing right they're not they're not parts of god they're all together he, he is all of them at, yeah at the same time that was yeah, a weird sound in my mic so or in my ear but um i mean there are there are many there are a couple different words in the greek for love right there's yep. you know eros which is that romantic or sexual type of love you obviously you can hear the beginning of the word erotic in it um there's phileo which is uh, brotherly love or friendship and this is a type of love that we can have without without supernatural help or supernatural transformation it's it's sort of like just this brotherly love you see it it's just compassion it's mostly a feeling yeah yeah and it's i mean the philadelphia the city of brotherly love right it's that start the beginning of that word is in there um and then there's agape which is you know the type of love the the re, the real type of love god's god's type of love this is the um the love that is of god and from god it's sacrificial and it is this is the love required for us to be able to love our enemies and it's not something we can have of ourselves this is yeah. one that we need spiritual the spirit's work within yeah. to have and what steve lawson said about this love is uh, quote it's the highest form of love that there is not based on a mere whim or feeling it is not based on external ex- attraction. It is a love that is rooted deep within the one who loves, that sacrificially gives to seek the highest good in the one who is loved, end quote. Mm-hmm. Well, and in, to, to put kind of a picture to this, the one story I was thinking about throughout the entire time you guys were talking was um, the, the story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. And Moses has gone up uh, to Sinai, and he's receiving the tablets from God. And he comes back to find they have set up a golden calf. Now, Mo, or Aaron had said to the people, here is your God that took you out of Egypt. Um, and, and so, in a way, they were trying to worship God, the true God, in their own way, selfishly, so that they could be worshiping God the way they wanted to. So that was a selfish love. It was an incorrect love. This is not a godly form of love. And so... Um, of course, there were severe punishments for them because they had broken God's law. And God did not want to be worshipped like the other gods that they had left in Egypt, the other gods that they, anybody else would have worshipped. Um, they, God wanted to be worshipped in a specific way. And so they are selfishly uh, loving, I guess you could say in air quotes, God the way that they want to without, with, without uh, taking into account how, how he says he ought to be worshipped. And, and that's... You know, there's there's severe consequences for that, and it, it's a mm-hmm. it, we can easily fall into that trap. You know, with with worship or, or anything, and not to rabbit trail too hard, but um, <laughs> if if we're doing things for God the way we want to, like or for, you know, for Braden, for for if he's going to do something for Carrie, but in a way that you know suits him better, is it really uh, love? Is it really yeah. love? Mm-hmm. You know, well, selfishness is not love, right? Um, I mean, we we see what what love truly is described in God's word. Mm-hmm. Uh, in First Corinthians thirteen, verse four to eight, we see that love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. 
Love does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, it's not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never fails. And just the way you see it described there, that's clearly not a selfish and self-centered thing. It's a sacrificial thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a feeling either. It's Well, and just before, before the verses you read, mm-hmm. in, in the beginning of that chapter... Uh, Paul writes, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I gave away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Mm -hmm. Love is ultimate. You know, we, we can't... We can't say we are faithful Christians without love, right? Right, exactly. Right. That's something um, to be completely transparent. I struggle with. Yeah. I struggle mightily to love my neighbor oh. because at times I, I... As your neighbor, I know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> thanks. Um, but but that is, that is a struggle of mine because uh, for a lot of my life, well... I should say all of my life, pride is something I deal with. I, I struggle hard and mightily yep, with. Me too. And and so loving one another when it doesn't suit me um, has has been difficult. Has it been um, something that I've been growing in repentance of mm. and wanting to grow in? And um, I know that I'm not the man that I was before. Uh, praise be to God. Mm-hmm. But... You know, there's still a long way to go, and so I'm encouraged by passages like that um, because because you can see what what the um, goal is to live as a Christian is to love, to love mm-hmm. God, and then to love man. Mm-hmm. I was listening recently to uh, the Defend and Confirm podcast with Russell Berger and Shout Sean out. Sean Demars. Yeah, yeah, fantastic <laughs> uh, podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And they were talking about this passage. You know, the the description of what love is, and Sean had said in there that he likes to occasionally, you know, when he goes through a situation or whatever it is, he, you know, likes to as an exercise put his name in there. And it's a it, it's a means of bringing conviction to himself, right? Like it, you know, in my case, it's like oh, Derek is patient, Derek is kind, Derek is not jealous. Uh, I I can look at that and be like, yeah, that's not true. I know for a fact that I am those things at times, especially especially at times, but often. <laughs> uh, but like if if we're going through a situation, like especially with today's social media aspect, where it's so easy to have these interactions with people and not, you know, not see our own um, heart in it. Mm. You know, what our own heart is aimed at. It's, it's, you know, it's something that he was pointing out that he does that in, in those type of situations to kind of test, like, what's my heart at? Am I, am I act, am I speaking truth in love or am I speaking truth out of somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just strictly to be right. Yeah. You know, or any other, any other reason to build myself like, up yeah. or any of those things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a quick disclaimer too, of course, I mean, there's, if at any point where you do that test and you feel like you've passed the entire test, you failed because you did it wrong. 
you <laughs> there will never be a point where you pass that test. That not meaning you shouldn't do it. Like it's a good reminder to the. Oh no! Like, yeah, it brings conviction. It yeah. does because you see you see well. Like, but if you, you know, say I am perfect yeah, in no. patience, I am perfect in, um, in in love. Ultimately, it's like then you may you're deceived. Then yeah, you're, yeah, you're wrong. Yeah, um, because at some point we all there, struggle. There is that. even a thought, you know, even yeah. a thought of self self service. And I'm not one to like stick my name in the Bible in different places either. I, I, I was about to I, say I, when I first when I first heard that. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I was listening and I'm like, okay, wait, well, why is he doing that? But then as he described it, it's like, okay, it's kind of like this conviction bringing. So your it's fears like, were yeah. kind of. Yeah. So it's like, it's okay to like on occasion do this in a situation and see like, yeah, I'm not that thing. Like I'm not, that's not how I'm acting yeah. and it should bring conviction and repentance out of that. Right. So. Yeah. We're not talking about what Chris Roseborough would call narcissus. Mm-hmm. You are not David. <clears throat> so. What does it mean that God is love? Are you asking me? I'm asking everyone here, which happens <laughs> just to be the two of you. Yeah. That's and true. myself, I guess. Well, see, God... Uh, okay, I'll I say... Forgot, that, forgot how, how it was going to work. I'll say this elsewhere. Say. What does the Bible say about God being love? Or, or what his love is? Mm-hmm. What does it mean that God is love? Do you want me to give a definition? Sure. Yep. God is the definition of love. His love is holy, righteous, pure, and undefiled. Like the rest of his attributes, God being love exists in unison with his justice, wrath, and hatred of sin. God's love is what gives us a place with him as he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Mm-hmm. Well, I think in, in tandem with that, when you look at when when, when God is chastising us or or any any group of people within scripture uh, i think it's easy to look at our situation and be like oh man this is so tough uh w- without thinking of what god is using it for mm-hmm. and uh, you know proverbs says it pretty pretty simply i mean i've said this is my favorite verse before i want to bring it up again because it's <laughs> one of my favorite verses but when i heard it the first read it the first time i was just so caught off guard with how blunt it was um <laughs> but it, it really is true i'm Pro- laughing because i know what it is <laughs> Proverbs 12 verse 1 that says whoever loves discipline loves knowledge but he who hates reproof is stupid and and one of God's way of loving us is is reproving us and and, um, correcting us because if he didn't do that then we would all be damned to hell Um, and I think that we live in a culture that is so accepting that any sin that could possibly come up and I literally mean any sin is no longer condemned it, there's I'm not going to get into the different stories, but I mean you go online and, and there's a new new sin of the day that is now being accepted where people write articles that that they're, they're saying oh that's not wrong it's that's just who you are yeah just uh, live as you want yeah, yeah. Uh, and they'll say that God loves <clears throat> you um, for who you are exactly as you are and and I I would heartily disagree and say that God loves you despite the way you are mm-hmm. um, He knows our sin of course He still loves us but that does not uh, that does not uh, justify our sin. Just mm-hmm. on that point where you said God loves you despite the way that you are, uh, God's love is so great that He loves those who are truly unlovable. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you think of how holy God is, and and we can't wrap our minds around that, that's just um, so out of the realm that we can understand. But. Um, he loves us in that way that we are reconciled to him 
even though we were enemies before. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that that uh, that David writes in Psalm 86, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and will glorify your name forever. For your loving kindness towards me is great. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, arrogant men have risen up against me, and a band of violent men have sought my life, and they have not yet, or not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. O grant your strength to your servant, and save the son of your handmaid. Mm-hmm. It's a good description of God's love. Well, well, you had mentioned it there that this greatest love. Um, the greatest love that could could be is is to love someone who is wholly unlovely, right? That that who has nothing in themselves that would draw or attract you to them, and this is where we are in respect to God, right? Like the the Bible makes clear, like you said, that we were His enemies mm-hmm. before Christ came to die for us, and He loved His love is so great that He sent Christ, sent Jesus to Calvary's cross, so that we would be reconciled with Him. And I love, I was listening to something Steve Lawson said, and he said, you know, it would have been amazing, it would have been an amazing demonstration of love if God had given one son out of a multitude of them. But he gave his only son. Mm-hmm. And, and and in First John it talks about there's no greater love than this. Yeah. And Jesus even says it, that the, there's no greater, greater love than to lay down your life for your friends, right? Well, and, and so, he also says that, you know, a man may lay his life down for someone, for, for a good man, for someone you believe is good. Like, oh, man, that, that person is worthy. They do so many things. Like, they, they don't deserve to die. I'll, I'll lay my life down for them. Or for whatever reason, you, you esteem them in a way, uh, whether well, they deserve it or not, irrelevant, but you esteem them in a way, and so you the, the person would lay their life down. Yeah, well, Romans says even there that man would hardly do it. Hardly like, do it. Right. And, and we see also in Romans that we are completely undeserving of this love, completely yeah. undeserving of this, uh, this sacrifice. And yet mm-hmm. Christ, uh, knowing fully who we are and, and how terrible we are, uh, made the sacrifice, sacrifice anyway. In, in both loving God first and being obedient to his Father and then also loving us. I like the way it was put to me one time. Uh, I forget who said it to me, but if you're listening, you know you know who you are, because uh, I don't. <laughs> or maybe they do. Maybe they forget. <laughs> uh, but when talking about about God's love and how um, God had had sent Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins, that. First and foremost, Jesus went and died on the cross and faced the wrath of God to please God. It was first and foremost to glorify the Father. Mm-hmm. But we are... Su- and yes, he did it f- out of love for us, but we are great benefactors of his love for the Father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it, God's love starts first and foremost... With of, himself. It's an inner Trinitarian love. Yeah. It... Um, we see in John 3, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. In John 5, it says, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. In John 10, it says, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. In John 14, 
we see that so John, so that the world may know that I love the Father. And in John 17, it says, for you loved, in, in, in the high priestly prayer, it says, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. It, it, it starts first and foremost within himself. God's love is within himself. It is mm-hmm. within the Trinity. And then it spreads outwards from there, right? So, yep. And then we see... I just had I had I had I had a couple different headings in my notes here as what God's love is and first first one was intertrinitarian there's God's love is infinite um and then there's God's love is eternal which one one refers to infinite as in like in all encompassing the other one refers to eternal as in all time uh sorry Britain's limping um the the other one refers to as eternal refers to as all time right and there's just something that came up um <clears throat> that i had seen before i went on a social media hiatus there's just something that came up on my facebook and uh so it, it was in reference to two verses well more than two verses two sections of scripture um the first was jeremiah 31 3 where it says, The Lord appeared to him from afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore I have drawn you with loving kindness. And the other part is Ephesians 1, 4-5, where it says, Just as he chose us before, in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. And obviously predestination is one of those things that people tend to butt heads against right but Mm -hmm. um it's honestly it's one of those beautiful truths of the greatest love that has ever been and so this this quote that came up in my on my facebook feed before i got rid of facebook (laughs) was a quote from ian hamilton where he says quote uh in reference to something he he had heard from gearhardus voss and he said sometimes you read sometimes you read something or hear something that takes your breath away i was sitting recently at a conference listening to a friend richly expound the central theme in the ministry of jeremiah he then quoted some words of gearhardus voss that were literally stunning commenting on god's words in jeremiah 31 3 um, i have loved you with an everlasting love voss wrote the best proof that he will never cease to love us lies in that he never began I knew, says Ian Hamilton, I knew because the Bible never tires of telling me that God loved his people with an everlasting love. Like many of you, perhaps, that astonishing truth pointed me forward and assured me that unto times eternal, God would love all his believing people with an undying, unending love. Voss, however, pointed us back, if we can speak so, into the recesses of eternity, there has never been a time when God did not love his people. Is this not staggering? Does this not leave you breathless with wonder? Do you not find yourself wholly out of your depth? Why, O oh Lord, such love to me? For Voss, this fact, uh, for fact it is, should minister to the deepest comfort of our souls. In the unlimitable round of his timeless existence, we have never been absent from nor uncared for by him. It is this everlasting love that sent the Lord Jesus Christ into this world as propitiation for your, our sins, end quote. 
and uh, so I had that that kind of just stuck with me, right? Like this, because we think of you know this unending love, but if we go back to the foundations of the world in Ephesians, in the Ephesians verse it says, "In love he predestined us as adoption," and it says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So before, like from the beginning of all time, even before time existed, God loved his people. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so it's, it's, it's one thing to think of it's never going to end, and that gives us great comfort. But it has always been. But it's, it, it's always been. You know, he loved us in this room, <laughs> right? Like, I, that's one thing I've struggled with, admittedly, is with the love of God. And it, it's, it's been a struggle... Um, Honestly, for for much of, I would say for much of, well, even much of my Christian life, much of my life in general, but um, much of my Christian life, I have, I, I, it's not that I don't believe it, right? It's not that I didn't believe it or have a hard time believing it. Um, I know for a fact that God loves me. I know for a fact that God loves us. But I've always had, for me, it's always been so much easier to because I know myself, I guess it is. It's it's so much easier to apply the gospel to other people. Like Jesus died for your sins. And Jesus loves point, you. Actually. And you know, Jesus loves, you know, loves people and and has died for their sins and and you know, I I believe that and you know, I I proclaim that and and but then I have struggled for years or and and on and off for years where it's like it's easier to apply it to other people than it is to me, you know, like I like, and, and I'm glad we're going through this, uh, sermon point where we're at, at church these days, yeah, okay. uh, where it talks, mm. where we're talking a bit about some of the devil's lies and stuff like that, that he replaces truth with lies and he like twists the stuff and, and these different temptations. Mm-hmm. And I can see now that that's kind of what's been, you know, how could God love you? You know, it's easier for him to love them. Yeah, he loves them, but how could he love you type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one thing where I, I've come to the point these days, like this last week, getting back into this study was fantastic because I've felt a deeper sense of God's love for me personally <clears throat> that this week than I have in a couple of years. <laughs> and then the last couple of years, honestly. And... um the thought has crossed my mind when, when that thought comes, you know, how could he love you? My answer is like, now, now my answer is you're right. How could he, but he does, mm-hmm. you know, but he does. That's the astonishing thing. I can look at myself and be like, yeah, how, why would he love me? You know, why would he choose, choose me uh, of all people? But yeah, he does, and he did, and you know, it's it's just something I've had a greater sense of this week, and it's been, yeah, it's been kind of life changing. It's awesome, actually. Hey, that's so. fantastic. That's a great testimony of God's love. That you know, to be able to personally feel it, and I think, I think at 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 times, probably every Christian has kind of had that struggle, um, where where we. Uh, we almost downplay the the love of God where we, we make it much smaller than it is. And I mean, there's also times where we can 
only focus on that where we make it something that it isn't and i think we have to be careful there but uh, yeah, I know, I know I, it's not going to always be something you feel, right? Like, it's yeah, not, you're not right. always going to feel it. Always, there's going to be. It's not always a feeling, but. but there's, there's seasons for. for, for you're going to go through different yeah, seasons. And, and we know that, that God God loves. Um, God loves us even in discipline. God loves us even when we um, feel like we're kind of out in the cold. Yeah. And. Um, yeah. And just. I wanted to share this quote before you you shared that because it, it fit with what you were saying before, but mm-hmm. we'll just go back there a little bit. Yep. R.C. Sproul said this about the love of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Quote, Yes, the cross occurred because God loves us. His love stands behind his plan of salvation. However, Christ was not sacrificed on the cross to placate us or to serve as a propitiation to us. His sacrifice is not designed to satisfy our unjust enmity toward God, but to satisfy God's just wrath towards us. Mm-hmm. The Father was the object of the Son's act of propitiation. The effect of the cross was to remove the divine estrangement from us, not our estrangement from Him. If we deny God's estra- estrangement from us, the cross is reduced to a pathetic and anemic moral influence with no substitutionary satisfaction of God. In Christ, the obstacle of inst- estrangement is overcome when we are reconciled to God. But that reconciliation extends only to believers. Those who reject Christ remain at enmity with God, estranged from God, and objects both of his wrath and of his abhorrence. Whatever kind of love God has for the impenitent, it does not exclude his just hatred and abhorrence of them, which stands in stark contrast to his redeeming love. End quote. I actually had that quote later in my notes on at a, at an upcoming point, but yeah, no, it's fantastic. Like, look at us on the same honest, page. I'll be honest. I there was plenty of R.C. Sproul that I went that I listened to in, in preparation. I mean, he was a this. tremendous he, teacher. He was a fantastic teacher. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Lord loosed, used him greatly. Greatly, um, and uh, he would have been eighty-three yesterday. Oh, really? Yep. I'm going back to what you're saying about. Uh, God loving us, you know, despite knowing what we are. I was thinking about that um, just the other day and in, in thinking about John 3.16 and how often it's quoted and, and I would even say misquoted. Um, but the... Are you saying misquoted as in like it was, isn't said uh, like it's misquoted as like word for word or misquoted as in mis- the context is Yeah, out of missing. context. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and the reason why I say that is because when you look at... Um, John three sixteen and what I was thinking of is its placement in Scripture and and I know some people may argue oh you know God didn't put the book of John past the Old Testament but you know He did because time um, which He controls uh, anyway um, we look at the, the the history of Israel throughout throughout the the Old Testament and, and we we understand okay Israel is very flawed ergo we are very flawed yep. and. Despite that, despite the context of knowing how flawed people are, it, it's it's not a it's not news to anybody in, in in the time when Jesus is preaching. It's not news to us now. Um, he says, "For God so loved the world." So, they, it, it's not like it, it, it's uh, this is unknown that the people are are terrible because we have books upon books upon books of God being forgiving despite the fact that Israel has again abandoned God and and uh been idolatrous and sought other gods and uh he has he has still saved his remnant 
and now go to to today, uh, God still sees that sinful nature that we have, and mm-hmm. says, "Still, uh, for God's love, the world that He gave mm-hmm. His Son." Mm-hmm. I I would, um, and just like one of the most stark examples of of His love, even though um, He was sinned against, was Adam and Eve in the garden. Mm-hmm. Where he said, "You shall surely die if you eat of the tree." Yeah. But he didn't just kill them right then and there. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, that is still mercy. That is still love. You well, know? the first the first animal sacrificed was made to clothe them, right? He killed, exactly. he killed the animal to clothe them. He, pro- he made the promise of, you know, Jesus in, at that point too. So. so those saying that God's wrath <laughs> negates his um, yeah, love is doesn't. so off base mm-hmm. and we, we we talked about uh oh sorry do you have i was just gonna say if, if you feel that god's love negates his wrath you don't know who god is right yeah um and just to go back to these head headings i had that uh what god's love is right we talked about already that god's love is a sacrificial love this is a um it it, it costs something you know, and, and that's what that agape love is, is mm-hmm. it costs something. You know, the Bible tells us that it's easy to just say, be filled and be warmed and then not act and still claim that we're lo- we're loving and caring. Mm-hmm. But true love will sacrifice and will be demonstrated. Obviously, we know that the greatest display of love ever was Jesus dying on the cross for, for the sins of his people, right? And... The Bible says it, that there's no greater love shown than this. Like in John 15, it says, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down the life for his friends. In Romans 5, um, it says, God demonstrated his own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it goes on to say that we were his enemies. Mm-hmm. This, this isn't a, you know, it's not this mediator that's set up separately, you know, an impartial mediator between two parties. This is the sinned against party sending a mediator to appease himself. Yeah. You know, as, as Spurgeon said, God <clears throat> gave God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're called, you know, Brynn's going through marriage counseling right now. You know, we look at Ephesians 5. It says, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. We're called to, rep- to reflect this love mm-hmm. of Christ. It's a sacrificial thing, and it's not always going to be... You know, you're not always, <laughs> sorry, Braden, but you're not always going to feel loving towards Carrie no. and she's not always going to feel loving towards you, and but it's, it's, it's a, it's a self-sacrifice that is in, yeah. involved in this. Right. And that actually, that, that I just want to touch on something that, uh, um, I have the book with me mm-hmm. about, uh, or from our marriage counseling and, uh, let me just pull it up here. While you're looking, I'm just going to yep. touch on this one last. The, this last heading I have is God's love is a, a volitional love. It's it's a love of it's a choice of God's will. It is it is of Himself that He chose to love us, and didn't do so because there was any inherent thing within us that would draw us to or draw Him to us. We see that in Deuteronomy seven when He's talking about Israel. You know, it says the the Lord did not set His love on you or choose you because you were more in number than any of the other people. For you were the fewest of all, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath, 
which was he swore to your forefathers. It the reason that he loved them is because he loved them. Yeah, it was his choice. It, it, it was, you know, if it was because of anything they did, he would have loved Assyria or Egypt mm-hmm. or Babylon, right? They're, they were the bigger, stronger. So I found what I was looking for. Yep. Um, so it goes and talks about what the biblical definition of love and it talks about the, um, the world's definition of love. Mm-hmm. And then it talks about how Jesus loves. And Jesus has a giving love. A love that is sacrificial. And so um, with that in mind, um, it says, Loving this way is not just a matter of your willpower. It comes from an awareness of your inability and constant reliance on Christ, his word, his promises, and his resources. Mm -hmm. We will not reach perfection this side of heaven, but we continually take steps of growth. Mm -hmm. End quote. Um, And then also... uh, it says, this service does not have to be viewed as a burden. It can be seen as an opportunity to follow the example of our Lord. Since he has already done it, he is the perfect person to help us do the same. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's, it's, it's <laughs> one of those things, that, that type of love is, is something that is spirit-led. It's spirit-given. It's spirit-driven, right? It's, you bet. It's not something we can do. And, and his love arose towards us because God is love. And that's his, it's, a very, it's his very nature to love, right? So... Mm-hmm. And when you look at, I mean, just talking about marriage a little bit, um, when you look at marriages that will really st- stand the test of time, that will, you know, 30 years in, not only will they be still be together, but it'll be strong. They'll still love each other dearly, and it will be a healthy marriage. Are marriages that are taking God's word um, at its word, and they're, they're actually investing in each other. They're investing uh, in their relationship with God, and they're investing in God's word, and they're understanding who God is. They're they're uh, going to the true source of love because they know that they in themselves are not enough. Mm-hmm. And so you see that these biblical practices are being done. And so when you see a couple that's been together for you know, 20, 25, 30 years, and they've been hel- holding each other accountable for 25, 30 years um, w- with Christ in their center, you'll see a couple that, that is, um, like, like it'll be a strong relationship mm-hmm. versus when you have... Um, even even if it's a Christian marriage, but but it's it's not biblically based and it's not being well uh, stewarded and or you know a secular marriage where um, it just started off on the on the wrong foot altogether or any relationship for that matter when we're not stewarding it well we're not actually being genuinely loving versus you know what what can I get out of this mm-hmm. as soon as you go that route well then you're automatically putting like a a best before date on there it could be you know three months or three years. Um, but when we're actually acting in biblical love, that's when we can actually have relationships that will stand the test of time. Yeah. 100% agree. So, oh, you have something? No, I... I I was going to turn the page a little bit here. Go for it. Um, so... We, we often hear this, this statement, you know, the unconditional love of God. Mm. So Mm -hmm. let me ask you... Is God's love unconditional? I would say at least in, 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 in part, at least yes, because you look at us. Well, of course, there's nothing we can bring to salvation other than mm-hmm. the sin that warranted it. So we know that God loved us to, regardless of who we are because mm-hmm. we are not good in any capacity. It there's wasn't conditional on and our ability to uphold the law. It was not conditional on our ability to 
um, please him with, you know, burnt offerings or anything like that. Yeah, it's 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 based not on any condition of our own that we met in order mm-hmm. to draw him to ourselves. But then we also hear that used so frequently, and this is the other side of it, where, where in a way, you can almost say no, right? In a way, it's yes, and in a way, it's it's a no, or at least a, you know, be very careful when you say it, yeah, because it's used so frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to read <clears throat> a short excerpt out of uh, one R.C. Sproul's book, God's Love, where he says, uh, "quote." It has become fashionable in evangelical circles to speak somewhat glibly of the unconditional love of God. It is certainly a pleasing message for people to hear and conforms to a certain kind of political correctness. In our desire to communicate to people the sweetness of the gospel, the readiness of God to cover our sins with forgiveness, and the incredible depth of his love displayed on the cross, we indulge in in a hyperbolic expression of the scope and extent of his love. Where in scripture do we find this notion of the unconditional love of God? If God's love is absolutely unconditional, why do we tell people they have to repent and have faith in order to be saved? God sets forth clear conditions for a person to be saved. It may be true in some sense that God loves even those who fail to meet the conditions of salvation, but that subtlety is often missed by the hearer when the preacher declares the unconditional love of God. People hear that God will continue to love them and accept them no matter what they do or how they live. We might as well declare an unabashed universalism as to declare the unconditional love of God without clear and careful qualification of what that means, end quote. Just to touch on that. So <clears throat> God's love for impenitent sinners mm-hmm. is what is often referred to as common grace. Right. Um, it's the act of love that God does not strike down the unrepentant sinner mm-hmm. um, immediately and lets them continue on with their lives. And Matthew 5, 43, verse 48 says, You have heard that it is said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to, ra- to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the t- tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more, are you, you, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Mm-hmm. And just a note on <clears throat> on what uh, the, the R.C. Sproul quote, um, where he's talking about how, you know, how we have to be careful, how it's, you know, to declare unconditional love without, uh, or to not declare unconditional love without a clear qualification of what that means. Um, if we look at, honestly, if we look at the preaching between, you know, the 18th, 19th, cent- 18th or 19th, I didn't finish those words, centuries compared to a lot of preaching in churches today, um, you look at men like Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield and how they stressed the wrath of God towards impenitent men and women mm-hmm. and how that's not being stressed in a lot of churches these days. Um, and it's, it's an almost like it's an, it, sometimes it is and sometimes it's for complete other reasons, but sometimes it's in an attempt to lighten the blow. Um, but this, you know, and in, in that attempt, man's estrangement from God is not stressed mm-hmm. or properly portrayed. 
and God's love is often emphasized at the expense expense of these other of of other attributes in general and these other topics. Um, men like Edwards and Whitfield obviously proclaimed God's love, but without the people being shown their need for reconciliation with God, the message of Christ's work to reconcile us with God is neutered. Mm -hmm. um, parties who are not estranged do not need reconciliation, right? So. Um, obviously showing people they're under wrath is an important part of evangelism. I saw saw this picture yesterday that I found kind of funny and it kind of fits here because <laughs> it's talk you're talking about 18th and 19th century preachers who who stress the love of God but also the wrath of God to mm -hmm. come on those who are impenitent sinners and then and then how the 20 the late 20th and early tw or 21st century now um, those things are not you know emphasize the, the well the love part is emphasized but is often misguided mm -hmm. and, and misrepresented i should say mm -hmm. um and this picture i found very interesting the, it was a, a preacher talking to a, a barista at a coffee coffee shop <laughs> and the 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 preacher said um can i get a light roast and the barista said your sermons are basically ted talks and <laughs> And it's funny, but it's like that is kind of the state of what's what's happening, like mm -hmm. um, in, in today's in today's church. Mm -hmm. um, I should say um, much of today's yeah. church, not all of it. Certainly, and I'm not. very happy that we're in a, we're in, in a church that's... that literally yesterday's sermon was uh, led with uh, with we can we have to preach the entire counsel of God and not soften the blow of wrath. Exactly. Right, like that was part of. <laughs> the sermon and so, so as much as i find that joke funny and and yeah. stuff um it, it goes to show what what's happening here and and we look at um we look at passages of scripture like psalm 5 um where it says that uh for in verse 4 for you are not a god who takes pleasure in wickedness no evil dwells with you the boastful shall not stand before your eyes you hate all who do iniquity. Mm -hmm. Now that sounds like that'd be everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, but this is where his love comes in. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, yes, he has wrath on all those who do iniquity. But his wrath was poured out on Christ so that we can be reconciled to him. Mm -hmm. But if you are still in your iniquity, mm -hmm. that wrath will be poured out on you. Yeah, absolutely. I remember uh, often hearing from other prominent uh, churches or, or wherever it was from that basically they had the idea of soaking in God's love and how you, upon hearing of, you know, like having like a moment of remembering God's unconditional love, they'd encourage you just to kind of soak in that. And while it's important to take comfort in the fact that God's love toward, uh, toward us is unconditional, that there's nothing we can bring to it, it should not drive us to soak and just to like, you know, bathe in this in this love, it should drive us to repentance, um, and knowing that God's love is like on, on God's love towards us is undeserving on our behalf. Mm -hmm. We we deserve wrath, and and so it, it the without that qualifier of His wrath, it really nullifies the the importance of His love. I think with repentance we can. Um we can rest in the Lord. We can mm -hmm. we can take great 
comfort in knowing that his love is is true his love is unwavering for his people mm-hmm. even though even at that time it may seem as though we are being disciplined even at that but we're reminded of the gospel truths that 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 the work that the lord has begun in us he is faithful to finish mm-hmm. that that he will see us through to to eternity and i think we uh, we don't want to come across as though like you know um you know where we emphasize one over the other mm-hmm. you know whether it be wrath or whether it be um his love but we want to to emphasize if you're in christ you can find comfort and joy and a greater joy than you will ever know mm-hmm. um in his love but if you're not in his in his um if you're not of the faith if you're not um a believer in christ that you have not been changed you're unrepentant that you are living in wickedness yes you should fear for mm-hmm. god's wrath well the only the only thing left for them is then expect fiery expectation of wrath to come right like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think that's in hebrews somewhere but uh the beauty of it is that because it's not something we can attain or something that we do uh, some condition we meet to have God love us, um, the invitation is there to come as you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we You don't need to clean yourself up. You don't need to um, do any of that. Like you don't need to clean yourself up or attain something before coming to Christ. You come to Christ as you are, but God loves us enough that in, in Christ we will not remain who we are we will be changed we will be transformed yeah it's it's come as you are but do not stay as you are no yeah, and, right? and and if you know his love won't let you stay as you oh, are oh exactly it's it, it's not even like it's it it's not even just um don't stay as you are like you're trying to obtain something obviously there's we're, there's work in our sanctification sanctification involved for us mm-hmm. we're not to, we're not just sitting on the couch waiting for it to pass us by or pass over us and work it on us and then have a this cushy feeling that we, yeah oh i feel so loved today but it, you know god's love will not let us stay where yeah. we are um we talked a bit about already how how this love applies to unbelievers i know Braden used the rc sproul quote in, t- in there and um i just wanted to touch on something there that i kind of ca- came across when i was studying it um that you know how how does it apply you know like are, is it a different is it a different kind of love you know is it different it, it it has to be somewhat different right and so as i was studying it i i saw um there's these three types of love um and and their distinctions um the reason they're dis- made distinct is to note the different ways that god loves all people in one sense and the special way he loves his people the redeemed so first of all, there's this love of benevolence and beneficence. So the love of benevolence is his goodwill toward people, and beneficence is his kind action. So the, these are the types of love that um, it says the de- the difference between the two has to do with the difference in willing and doing. While the love of benevolence has to do with the goodwill or kind disposition towards people, the love of beneficence has to do with the kind actions towards them. And so this is the type of love that is upon everyone. You brought up the verse where it says he brings the rain on the just and the unjust alike. Mm -hmm. This is that type of love. And then there is 
<clears throat> the love of complac complacency and and obviously we have to be careful with the word complacency um it's it, when, when defining this love of complacency they tend to use the earlier root definition from earlier dictionaries than you know kind of what it means these days being complacent but this the earlier earlier root definition um described the fact or state of being pleased with a thing or person tranquil pleasure or satisfaction in something or someone um so it's obviously crucial in the manner of the language in historic uh, orthodox theology and so i just want to use a another quote here from rc sproul and regarding these loves and so he says quote to those who hate and curse him god shows the love of beneficence god's benevolence goodwill is demonstrated by his beneficence kind actions his son and reign are given equally to the just and the unjust we see then that god's benevolent love and his beneficent love are universal they extend to the whole of humanity but here is the chief difference between these types of love and god's love of complacency his love of complacency is not universal nor is it unconditional sadly in our day the glorious character of this type of divine love is routinely denied or obscured by a blanket of universe universalization of the love of god to announce to people indiscriminately that god loves them unconditionally without carefully distinguishing among the distinctive types of divine love is to promote a perilous false sense of security in the hearers god's love of complacency is the special delight and pleasure he takes first of all in his only begotten son it is christ who is the beloved of the father supremely he is the he is the son in whom the father is well pleased by adoption in christ every believer shares in this divine love of complacency it is the love enjoyed by jacob but not by esau this lo love is reserved for the redeemed in whom god delights not because there is anything inherently lovely or delightful in us but we are so united in christ the father's beloved that the love of the father has for the son spills over onto us end quote and this is where i had placed that quote you said earlier where it kind of touches on um you know it, it uh, whatever kind of love god has for the impenitent it does not exclude his hatred and abhorrence of them which stands in stark con contrast to the redeeming love right so it's it, it's a different kind it, there's there's these different this are different aspects of god's love mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so god loves the unredeemed in a different way than he loves the redeemed i was about to yell preach well and that can uh, happen when you're reading rc sproul quotes <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> true and if you happen to be one of those um who are not redeemed if you have not um uh accepted God's love. If you've not repented of your sin, uh, I have actually in the in the in the heart of Valentine's Day, I have a poem allegedly written by Paul Washer, uh, <laughs> but probably not. But if he did write poems, it probably would sound something like this: uh, Roses are red, violets are blue. Repent. <laughs> oh, fantastic! I mean, it's similar to the other one that I saw that he wrote, and it's, it starts the same way. It says, "Roses are red, violets are blue." I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. So <laughs> if he wrote poems, that's what they would be like. So, and if if you are genuinely an in, in, uh, impenitent sinner, 
uh, we would highly encourage you to uh, uh, to re- to repent of your sin. Um, Jerry, you wanted to say something yet? Yeah, I have one more before we kind of because it, it, it kind of sounds like we're going towards closing, and I know we are. I just have one one aspect that I want to touch on yet. Okay, I missed that. Part. Um, so how how does God's love coexist with wrath and judgment? Mm. Often we hear, you know, often you'll hear this put as, you know, God is a God of love. So then, you know, why can't he just forgive? Why is the atonement necessary? Because yeah. it's holy. Because he's just. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to sum it up. And so I wrote I wrote out a kind of more or less I wrote out a statement of how I would word this. And so I'm just going to read my own words at this point. It's my own quote. quote. unquote, Derek I'm quoting Friesen. myself at this point. Uh, God cannot go against his, char- his own character. We see in Exodus 34, 6, verse 7, that God is forgiving, but will by no means uh, let the guilty go unpunished. Try applying this to the court system, and it's kind of funny because I think uh, Pastor Josh used, this in the ser- used a bit of this in the sermon yesterday. Try applying this to the court system. Would we classify a judge who allows a serial killer to just go free as a good and loving judge? No, we wouldn't. A loving judge would make sure that justice is served and the crime is paid for. Yet we hear this applied to God, who is vastly more loving and who is a vastly more loving and just judge. The claim gets made that he is unloving when he makes sure that justice is served. The Bible is very clear that all have sinned and that the wages for those sin is death. We are all deserving of God's wrath, and yet we accuse him of being unloving and unfair when he pays us wages earned. Who do we think that we are? The atonement is necessary because unless those wages are paid, justice has not been served, and we are still absolutely deserving of God's justice. We rightly deserve to spend all eternity paying for the sins that we have committed against him. But God, out of his great love, provided the means for the price to be paid on our behalf. By pouring out the wrath for our sins on his own son, the propitiation has been made so that if we repent and put our full trust in the finished work of Jesus, we will be forgiven and made right with God. The truth is we, we, don't, want what, we don't want fair. Everyone says they want fair. You know, it's not fair. But they don't want fair or they want mercy. Because mm-hmm. if, they if they got what was fair, they would, well, let's just be well, honest, they wouldn't want it. No one wants it. Um, and so, you know, we also live in this society where, where they proclaim that, you know, it's unloving to tell someone a truth that may offend them, you know, and, you know, love is accepting and affirming, you know, and it's, it's judgmental and unloving to tell anyone they're sinners or call out, you know, their sin, show point to their sin. Mm Mm-hmm. But the fact remains that true love proclaims the truth. Even if it is uncomfortable and even if they don't want to hear it, true love proclaims the truth so that they are warned of the judgment to come and the wrath to come. And that they are given the opportunity to turn from their sins and be saved. A love that allows someone to just perish in their sins so that they don't have to feel offended or judged is not a love at all. It's selfishness. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Yeah. 
Ben, go ahead. You were you were starting something, and this yeah. leads into that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, the the wrath of God is exactly what we what we deserve, and we're going to get into that more of that either in the next podcast or another one eventually. Anyway, I'm not exactly sure what the timing is. Um, I feel like we kind of started taking swings at that one today. Pretty good. Yeah, so it might gonna, be. So it might be the next one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously, if you're an impenitent sinner listening to this. Uh, and you have yet to repent of your sin, we highly encourage you to do that. Repent of your sin and, and trust in Jesus as your only hope um, because he's the only one that will save you of the wrath that come that we're, that we're going to be getting into later. So, um, yeah. And, 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 like and, we, and like we said before, you don't have to clean yourself up to come to Christ. You don't yeah, have you, to try and be better before you come to Jesus. Go to Jesus now. Cause, yeah, because if you wait until you're cleaned up, you'll never show up. Because he's the only way. That's the only way to get cleaned up is Christ. So as we're as we're closing off, um, the one thing I want to say, and especially for those who um, are unrepentant, um, who are living in you know dead in their sins, as it says in Ephesians two, Christ is so good. God is is so merciful and so loving. And he, um, you do not know love w- without Christ. There, there is mm-hmm. no real love without the love of God, and and it is, um, it is not just a love of feeling, but it is true. It is, it is, um, it is disciplined. It is merciful. It is kind. It is, it is honest. It is more than you can ever imagine. And for those who are in Christ, and now this is something I've struggled with, for those of you that are in Christ, those of you that are struggling to to see the love of God, to um, or feel burdened and and weighed down, those who are heavy laden, I urge you to look at the loveliness of Christ and how He has taken every burden every sin away and he has taken upon himself on the cross and had the wrath of God poured out on him for your sake and for my sake and for my brothers and sisters in Christ's sake around the world mm-hmm. I, I would just encourage you to, to look to Christ that as we are on our knees we can lift our faces up and look at the loveliness of God mm-hmm. and how he is full of mercy he is rich in kindness and mm-hmm. we can remind ourselves yes Jesus loves me. Yeah. With that, we will close. Go in peace and repent and believe the gospel. Have a good night. See you guys.